Well, good day and welcome to another episode here of the Disaster Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Davis, the pod medic, and we've got a special update episode as Hurricane Idalia comes zooming into the Gulf Coast of Florida. We're going to talk about that almost exclusively tonight. And uh, we'll give you an update on what's expected there uh, as uh, this uh, comes in. I'll try to get this podcast out before it makes landfall. And then we'll probably have a follow-up coming up later this week or early next week to um, talk about uh, aftermath and uh, response and and what's going on with the, the recovery efforts. So we'll talk all about that over the coming week. But before we can get any farther into the show, I have to say hi to my esteemed co-hosts. Sam Bradley. Sam is um, hooked up with us finally. We had to find a special cord to get her headset working, but we've got it, and she's with us. Hey, Sam. Hey, Jamie. And uh, we got Becky, fortunately, because we really needed a meteorologist, and even though she's not the chief meteorologist, she talked to her husband, so probably gave her a lot of input on what the storm is doing. And Dr. Joe, who I thought would be uh, on his way there, but due to a few glitches, he hasn't left yet, but may will. And his wife, Kimberly, with the dog team is already there, Joe? Uh, yeah, that's basically correct. They are uh, the, the team, along with uh, nine other teams, are currently uh, scattered around the southeast. And uh, uh, her team is in uh, northern Florida for the night and uh, will be moving further south tomorrow as the track clarifies. Yeah, there's a number of DMATs that are out and staged as well. And yes, I do miss that, but oh well. Um, Miss Becky, what did you learn about the storm as far as is it following the trajectory that they keep showing us on the Weather Channel? Or is First, it moving? I will have you know that I did all my own research. <clears throat> Good girl. <laughs> so, <laughs> I still can be a bit of a meteorologist occasionally. Um, but yes, Hurricane Idalia is still on track to make landfall in the Big Bend area of Florida, <clears throat> uh, somewhat near Cedar Keys. Um, hurricane warnings in effect. The outer bands are beginning to impact the coast, um, essentially from the Florida Keys all the way up into Tallahassee. So overnight into tomorrow uh, is going to be pretty hazardous for uh, much of the west coast of Florida. Um, right now, it's looking like the storm will make landfall as a Category 3 hurricane, uh, with the, the potential for it to be a lower-end Category 4. Um, these storms have a history of getting over those extremely warm Gulf waters and rapidly intensifying. Um, and it does appear at this moment, you know, at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday evening, that Idalia may be undergoing rapid in- intensification um, and developing a, a bit of a pinhole eye, which is not what you want to see just before landfall. <clears throat> Probably not. Um, I understand from listening to some of the TV meteorologists that their biggest concern isn't so much water and wind as it is storm surge. And I guess there's one one area where they might get something like 7 to 11 feet, potentially. Yeah. So that's going to be um, in the Big Bend area of Florida, which is you know basically where the panhandle goes down into the peninsula. Um there, the National Hurricane Center is is using the phrase uh, catastrophic impacts from storm surge inundation of 10 to 15 feet above ground level um, and destructive waves. They do not use the term catastrophic lightly, uh, so <laughs> 
Hopefully, if anybody is in that area, they have heeded mandatory evacuation orders and left. Um, I think one of the things that's unique about this area that I've seen some folks talking about is that it's very, very flat. Um, and so when water, you know, the storm surge is pushed by this very intense storm, this water is going to travel well inland. We're talking five, 10 miles inland. Um, so any, you know, any structures are likely going to be destroyed and not just on the immediate coastline, but, you know, even as much as, as 10 miles inland in that area. <clears throat> well, that was the next question. I hear that the flooding could go up into Georgia and the Carolinas. Anything new on that? Yep. So, uh, you know, storms of this strength, they're they're pretty broad, they're pretty spread out, um, and they have the ability to move a lot of water. So even though it's making landfall on the west coast of Florida, um, it's still going to be influencing the waters on the east coast. Also, there's another hurricane out there right now, Hurricane Franklin, um, which is also having an impact on, you know, sur- not really surge, but um, the surf. Uh, but the like Georgia coastline is currently under a storm surge watch. Uh, so they should be uh, probably expecting a, a warning to come, you know, the next day. And I would imagine probably four to six feet of surge there, maybe more. It really depends on the timing of the tides. Um, if it's high tide, that could be significantly worse. And I but, know that know. the low country in Georgia and South Carolina on the coast there, I mean, if it gets a more than an inch or two of rain, some areas flood. So I can imagine with storm yeah. surge and rain on top of it that it's going to it could be some substantial f- impacts there. Right. Yeah. I mean, basically, even even the east coast of Florida up through Georgia, South Carolina and even into North Carolina should expect some impact um, from Adalia from, you know, basically tomorrow you know, Wednesday night through uh, Thursday night. Well, Joe's asking, uh, where is Franklin predicted to go? Because no one's paying as much attention to that one. No, Franklin's going out to sea. Um, Franklin is not expected to be uh, an impact to land, but uh, it will have an impact. You know, even storms that are well offshore can can impact the surf on the eastern coastline. But it's it's going out to towards Iceland. There you go. <laughs> well, it, it does have an effect on steering the direction of like something like a dahlia coming in behind it, though. So I think it's probably oh, pushing it in one direction or another. So all that stuff. I mean, it's funny. The last time we did a show, uh, Dan made a comment about um, the you know that it was get, getting in getting ready to be the busy part of the season. And then during that show, I remember looking at the National Hurricane Center website, and there was nothing on the map. And then literally like three days later, I looked and there was like four of those X's, different colored X's on the map showing potential depressions forming. So it was pretty funny to, you know, it's like he predicted it perfectly that, and it's been a busy, it's been a busy Atlantic area ever since. Yeah. I mean, all of the Northern hemisphere is, is pretty active right now. Um, But yeah, it's, it's interesting. These eye storms have a history of, being pretty dangerous. We had Ian last year and Ida the year before. So, and all around similar timing too. Well, are there any others out there that we should be concerned with? Or was it too early to tell me? Um, there's tropical depression 11, but that I don't think is going to be an impact to land at all. And then they have highlighted um, off the coast, uh, the West coast of Africa, a 60% chance of formation. But I mean, we're like Jamie said, we're in the season where any hot spot could could pop up anywhere in the 
Atlantic, Caribbean, and all it takes is a lack of wind shear and those warm surface waters, and it's going to get going. So, Joe, what what have, I know you've been keeping your ear on this, clearly. What else have you heard about it, especially from a USAR perspective? Yeah, I, I think Becky covered it, you know, pretty nicely. We uh, we are literally just getting the last of our people home from Maui, uh, and our uh, our brief alert status in uh, Southern California for the hurricane out there uh, with the flooding and that sort of stuff. Uh, but currently, there are about ten teams uh, in the field uh, scattered across. Uh, uh, northern Florida and uh, some southeastern states uh, with the idea that, uh, you know, this thing is likely to pass over Florida, cause the flooding that uh, Becky talked about a few minutes ago and storm surge and all the things. Uh, and uh, then some concern that it may well move up the East Coast. So we may have a, another storm, uh, much like Matthew a few years ago, that you know just just followed the coastline and caused flooding all the way up to uh, uh, D.C. and New York and onward. Well, I'm going to digress for a second. Speaking of that, Becky, I mean, thought it was terribly weird that a hurricane would go up the middle of California. How did that happen? Yeah, that was uh, pretty unusual. It's not unheard of. For tropical storms to impact, you know, the west coast of Mexico, the Baja area, um, but the the amount of moisture that it brought into that area uh, was definitely pretty unprecedented. Um, you know, the area doesn't have the infrastructure really to handle flooding. It's it's concrete and desert, um, and so there was definitely a lot of concerns about how, you know, that moisture being pushed up against the mountains around LA was gonna was gonna impact the terrain. Um, I couldn't tell you meteorologically how or why it happened. I'm not in touch with that, but I will say it was it was very unusual. Um, and I don't I don't think it was quite as bad as as we were uh, anticipating, which is good. Um, but yeah, still a pretty pretty unusual situation out there. Uh, I think anything having to do with California is pretty weird. It has been the last few years, anyway. Uh, I was going to ask. Oh, yeah, Becky, and anybody else who happens to know, do you think that their evacuation process and their preparation process is better now after some of those areas still haven't recovered from Ian? Good question. Um, I mean, psychologically, if people, you know, stayed during Ian last year and they experienced it, they might be a bit more likely to leave this time and not want to ride it out again. But alternatively, if they're if people were expecting something bad from Ian and it it didn't happen, like it, it Ian was initially expected to be very, very bad for Tampa. And then it, it just ended up missing that area. And Tampa was essentially spared last year. Uh, so people may think that like, oh, you know, Tampa doesn't really get impacted by by these storms. Um, they may, may be in for a rude awakening. Um, but I, I think generally, very generalized statement, Floridians take hurricanes pretty seriously. And either they're going to follow the mandatory evacuation orders or they're going to be smart about staying. That's the hope anyway. I did see a report that um, um, Governor DeSantis was talking about, um, talking to the FEMA director specifically about worrying about whether Floridians would heed the the mandatory 
evacuation warnings that they were getting for the areas that were most likely to be hit by storm surge because of the response to get catastrophic storm surge. That that use of that term, he was aware that it was not something used lightly. And um, so I think that that was a, I know that I heard that on the news, that something that the officials are aware about at, from the top down, I'm sure. Uh, and, and it just comes around to, you know, I, it, I think there's probably some memory for some of the people of what, what the impacts were. But again, like Becky said, it missed, it missed the people they thought it was going to hit. And so many of those people might see the same thing, think the same thing could happen again this year and, and want to ride it out. And unfortunately, because of the way the big bend is set up, um, you know, that, the storm surge, you know, the storm winds just pushed this wall of water ahead of it. Right, Becky? Yeah, correct. That's a very accurate way of framing it, of explaining it. Yeah. Well, some people were lucky to get after what they did experience with Ian. They got out <laughs> right after that. And now that same area is getting hit again. So I think I can move out of Florida, quite frankly. Um, what do you think about that, Joe, as far as preparedness? Any thoughts? Well, uh, clearly the, uh, the issue is going to be much like it was, uh, for Fort Myers, uh, a year ago, uh, with, uh, lots of storm surge flooding, et cetera. So, uh, preparation for that is difficult, uh, except to get out of the way of the water. Uh, there's not a lot you can do otherwise. So uh, I, I, uh, I'm with you guys. I hope folks heed the warnings and get themselves uh, out of that space. I was sometimes uh, you can't outrun the water. <laughs> it's up to your own balls. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Sam. No, that's fine. Um, I actually saw a list of some of the stuff that the Weather Channel was putting up, and a lot of it makes just basic common sense. Uh, in fact, in any disaster, but some of them um, I want to throw out there is because I'm not entirely sure why they're there. So some of the stuff is don't use open flames. Um, one of the things, Becky, Joe, maybe you know, I, they say don't tape the windows. Now, I know that's the case for tornadoes, but they're saying, obviously, with a hurricane, you need to put up, you know, boards or something. Uh, why would, I don't know, what's the difference there, Becky? I, I think that's a question for Dan Zaner, actually, to ask him what his thoughts are when we see him on, when we talk to him on Thursday, because um, I don't know, Becky, I, I don't know if you do know or not, but I know that I, yeah, I'm scratching my head about that because I've seen images of people taping their windows, but I'm not sure that does a whole lot other than maybe to keep larger shards of glass, you know, together, um, what else, what other benefit that might provide? That's actually the issue is that taping windows can create larger and deadlier shards of glass when winds blow through a home. I think putting boards over a window is good, but just tape doesn't really do anything and may actually keep the larger pieces together, which becomes more dangerous. I hadn't thought about that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think you'd rather it just fully shatter and just be done. <laughs> and about open flames, Sam, that makes sense to me as well because, you know, if you were using a candle for light and and, and 
it was windy or something were to happen, um, you know, there would be nobody to come put your fire out if, if you set fire to your house by accident. So open flames would be a bad thing to keep around in, in a disaster, an ongoing disaster like this. Yeah, and the potential for gas leaks and so forth would make that even worse. Um, if you're in a mobile home, leave. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Joe? Oh, I think you covered it uh, covered it nicely. You know, it's it, uh, clearly those structures are not designed for high wind, et cetera. And um, even if they're weighted down or anchored, et cetera, uh, you know, once the water begins to rise, they tend to float. Uh, uh, but they don't float for long. They just float, you know, down the road a bit and then turn over and that sort of stuff. So they are uh, they're not safe places to be. Indeed. And what I didn't understand was if you're on the top floor of a high rise, that's not where you want to be. Now, some people will think that's logical because it would be above the flood zone. Any thoughts on that, Becky? Well, then you're at risk of the highest winds. <laughs> so I likely, um, you know, breaking windows, potential of even debris, although that's probably more likely lower down. But I wouldn't really want to be in a high rise during, you know, with wind gusts of 100 miles per hour plus pummeling. <laughs> are the winds higher aloft, Becky, than they are at ground level? Yes, they are. Oh. Okay. Well, I would say like super that. appreciably, but yes, they're definitely higher, um, especially in, in a hurricane, um, the higher you go. Let's go. I'm sorry, Sam. I didn't hear. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, uh, what do you think about what we were talking oh, about? Oh, sorry. Being on the top floor of a high rise. Yeah, I think that I think that's part of it. You know, certainly you're potentially more exposed there uh, than anywhere else. And in the event that uh, water begins to rise rapidly, uh, you have all that extra time it takes you to get down from the top floor. Uh, during which time you may lose your opportunity to get out of the building. Uh, another one is raise your electronics and furniture as high as you can get them. And it's basically pick it up or tie it down. If it's too heavy to get picked up, then tie it down. So at least, you know, it'll get wet, but it'll still be there, I assume. Um, they also talk about, I guess there's a method to putting out sandbags, which I certainly couldn't tell you what it is. But um, is there a specific way of doing that, Joe, that's right and wrong? Well, they, they need to be uh, put out in such a fashion as they interlock uh, so that they are less likely to get washed away and they are better at, uh, you know, preventing overflow of water, but, but really more so debris and that kind of stuff. You know, the water is going to tend to run, run through and between, but uh, if you can stop uh, stuff that's floating in the water, uh, debris and that sort of stuff that may cause injury. There's uh, there's certainly value in that. They also recommend cleaning your gutters. I don't know that this would be the time <laughs> right before a storm. Maybe that's something you want to do, like you know, at the beginning of hurricane season. But uh, you know, I can see the point in that. You want the water to go where the water's supposed to go, right? Um, put your valuables and documents in waterproof containers. Good plan. And have, I guess, have some kind of go bag that may also be waterproof 
um, or floats, one or the other. Take photos of your home for insurance purposes. What it looked like before. Have an offsite backup for your computer data, and most people use clouds these days, so that makes perfect sense. Um, and plan around things like life-sustaining life medical equipment. If the electricity is not, which there's a real good chance that may happen. What are your thoughts on that, Joe? What can be done besides having a generator? Yeah, you know, the battery backups, most of those uh, uh, life-critical devices have some sort of battery backup, but they're fairly short-lived. And uh, the power outages in these events tend not to be short-lived. Uh, so you are much better off uh, getting yourself out of harm's way where you have the significant infrastructure uh, still intact to support the needs that you're going to have, which is no loss of power and access to medications and all that sort of stuff. And I think, and I think it's it's important that you know that that underlines that those at risk people who often don't have the same resources as everyone else. When you, you know people who are on disability or on some kind of medical equipment like that um, don't often have a lot of resources to move themselves. And so it's up to, that's, that's where it comes down to, you know, looking in on your neighbors, knowing who is at risk in a community and where they live and how to get to them so that they can get the shelters where they can stay plugged in and keep their equipment running. Uh, I think that's an important pre-planning thing. Obviously at this point where we're, you know, 12 hours away or so from landfall, um, and significant impacts is not the time to start planning for something like that. But, um, you know, this is when you need to think of people. Exactly. Um, yes. And the hopes would be that they can get to someplace safe with electricity ahead of time. And what I added at the bottom was plan for your animals. You know, if they're going with you, which I assume they will in a lot of cases, you know, make sure they have food and meds and all the things animals need. Um, so that's, that's what I got. Um, any final thoughts, Becky, before we hit the storm hits? Just have a way to receive warnings. Um, and this goes obviously before now, but even now, uh, much of the West coast of Florida is under a tornado watch and these outer bands of the hurricane can easily spin up tornadoes that are going to be short lived. You may not have a lot of warning, but any warning you do have that allows you to get to, um, a safe place is, is good. So. Keep your phone on. Uh, make sure you can, can receive the wireless emergency alerts that are issued and, and any other um, alerts from your local agencies. Yes, and keep everything charged and you have backups for your chargers because you're going to need those. Joe? Oh, I completely agree with that. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the pet uh, comment you made earlier is spot on. Uh, they are uh, important to us and challenging to travel with and a lot of extra stuff to carry with them to support them as well. Uh, so you really need a, a plan in place and you need to uh, make your moves early so that you're able to actually get out of there. Nobody would know that better than you and Kimberly, I'm sure. Just, and as big as your dogs are and as excitable as they tend to be, that, that should be quite a trip. Jamie? Well, I just think this this is, you know, an important um, episode to talk about planning 
what what people are doing in the preparation for the event, both on the ground and um, for resources that are going to come in as mutual aid services, whether it's from local local or state or federal um, resources. And so um, I'm interested to hear more about how this shakes out, and we will definitely follow up on that for uh, future episodes for the next couple episodes. We'll definitely have some more information on what's happening and how it's going. I uh, do want to just ask Dr. Joe to, to kind of tell us what's going on with Paragon. I know you've had a very busy season lined up for the coming fall. And, and is this impacting your ability to keep going and, and keep, keep the classes moving? Yeah, it actually is, Jamie. We, uh, we're scheduled to be in uh, uh, southeastern uh, Florida in about three weeks. Uh, so we, uh, we, we are hopeful that they are not significantly impacted, uh, and that it doesn't ultimately, uh, result in, uh, changing plans there. Uh, but, uh, Florida has been very busy for us this year and, uh, lots of, uh, storm activity as well. So been kind of getting, getting hit from both sides. Where can folks find out more about how to get you on, get on your schedule as it were at Paragon? Yeah, we love to talk to folks so we can plan a, 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 an educational experience that suits their needs. Uh, they can find us at paragonmedicaleducationgroup.com or on Facebook at Paragon Medical Group or always to the Disaster Podcast or the Facebook page for Disaster Podcast. Becky, how about you? I don't even know anymore. Probably the Disaster Podcast Facebook group. Uh, I still retweet, retweet, repost things on X, uh, WXX, and LinkedIn, I guess. No, that's great. No, we just want to make sure we know how to <laughs> ask you a question if something comes up. So we'll definitely. Yeah, probably the Facebook group. I don't have time for it. It's a lot of social media otherwise these days. You're the parent right. of a one, almost one-year-old. I completely <laughs> yeah. understand that. Yeah, yeah we, get about, we get those changes, don't we? Yep, for sure. Uh, Sam, how about you? Well, in all the aforementioned places, uh, especially in our wonderful Facebook community and disasterpodcast.com. How about you, Jamie? Well, you can find me under the handle Podmedic in most places out there and, of course, disasterpodcast.com. Don't forget you can subscribe to the show because we do do episodes like this where we will drop an episode earlier in the week than our usual Friday episodes. And uh, so when we record Thursday night and we put an episode out on Friday, but if there's an event going on that week that we can cover earlier, we will do so. And so we will have this episode out a little earlier and then another episode to follow later this week and uh, you can find out how to get subscribed for that by going to disasterpodcast.com clicking on any of the episode pages and there are links right there to hook you up with your favorite mobile device on how to subscribe so definitely do that and we'll be back here soon Sam indeed and Becky thank you so much for being here and Joe you were a nice surprise and uh, if Joe does go out and we know Kimberly's out. We're going to get you guys together after the fact and talk about how that went. And we have uh, our favorite Dan Zaner coming out, which he, you know, planned to talk about Hawaii, but I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about this too. So looking forward to all of that and uh, stay prepared. <laughs>